Thank you for joining the Late But On Time podcast. This is a podcast discussing everything from parenting to politics and a few things in between. Brought to you by the SGT Collective. On tonight's podcast with your host, Corey Sargent and Donna Sargent. We have a very special guest by the name of Sean. Sean, please introduce yourself. Good evening. This is Sean Rasmussen. How are you doing? I'm very well. It's nice to talk to you, Corey. I've known you for years. But it's nice to actually hear your wife for the first time. Your better half, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, she is. Uh, she is my better half um, on most days, most days. Oh. <laughs> but um, tell us a little bit about yourself, Sean, because I know that you have a lot going on. You uh, work at CUNY and you also are a professional yeah, dancer. So I, in my day job... I am the Director for External Relations and Engagement with CUNY's Accelerated Study and Associate Programs. It's a program that supports 25,000 students across nine community colleges. Wow. Uh, We're also replicating in a few states, so that's really exciting. When I'm not doing that, I am a dancer and Deputy Director for uh, Performing Arts and Education, our organization called Something Positive, and with that company, I do dance as well as mount exhibitions, lead fundraising efforts, and do anything that needs to be done to promote the art and culture of the African diaspora. And when I'm not doing that, I'm also on the board of an organization called uh, Project Safety Net. They've been around since 1986. They were previously the Long Island Association for AIDS Care, but their work has uh, branched well beyond that. And so they went through a branding and name change about a year ago. And so I've been happy to do work in support of that organization, too. So basically, you're telling us that you are just incredible. That's what you're you're doing. I'm just happy to do what I can to give back. No, that's that's awesome. But how do you find the time to do You know what? I just do. I am... Often, at the end of every day, I feel like I have had the wind knocked out of me, but I think that's just because, you know, as the sun rises, so do I. And I feel like it's important for me to give 110% in everything that I do and give 110% to the communities that have given so much to me. I work in a community that I grew up in. I work uh, doing things that have impacted my life in both, you know, positive and negative ways, but always, you know, for the positive. And so I believe in working in service to others. And so that's what I do, and I'm happy to do it. So first of all, I think your background is amazing. Um, With all the different things that you're working on, I'm absolutely in awe, because I always want to do as much as I can. And my husband's like, you need to sleep. Like, <laughs> So I just applaud everything that you're working on. I did want to ask a couple of questions about the different um, initiatives that you're mm-hmm. working on. So um, first, I'll start with the last one. How did you get onto a board? I know quite a few people would like mm-hmm. to be, you know, to have a seat at the table. Um, but how did you position yourself to uh, become involved and be on a board? You know, Um, This is a really good question. Just yesterday, I was having a conversation with someone who came to me and he said, you know, he recently completed his master's degree 
and he's been working for a particular organization for some time, and he's just been having a hard time moving up. And my first question to him was, well, why do you want to move up with this organization? I'm like, this Great this question. organization is doing work that you've been doing, but your master's degree is in a completely different field. So why is it important for you to move up here? And he said, you know what? It's not. But I felt like because I was here, I should just stay here. And I said to him, you know what? Maybe you need to think outside the box and really think about what you want to do and how you want to make a difference. And so we talked a bit more. And, you know, he said, is there any advice that you have for me? And I said, the one thing I can tell you to do is to be authentic, be absolutely authentic. That means look at what you want, see how you can make it happen. When you go in, in, into an interview, actually sell yourself, not the self that you want people to hire, but the self who you are, because that then will shine through and that will you know, help other things to happen. Why I say that is because um, with the organization that I am on the board of, Project Safety Net, that just happened because I worked with someone um, for a little while. who We didn't work closely together, but she left uh, the university and she went out to work with this organization because it was work that was really important to her. And when they were going through some board changes and were thinking of, okay, how do we you know, just take this agency into another direction, bring it into what's happening today. You know, are there board members that we need to think about have, having? Are there people with, you know, fresh ideas and a fresh way of thinking and a different way of looking at things? And she said, you know what? I'd like to invite someone that I know to uh, meet with the then executive director. And she called me and she said, you know, Sean, I'm working for this organization. It's called it was called Long Island Association for AIDS Care. And she said, it's it's we're doing great work in Long Island. And we'd really love for you to come in and meet with our executive director and maybe tell him about the work that you're doing. Because she said that they were thinking, well, how do we also branch into education? How do we branch into these other areas? And she's like, Sean, I feel like you have something that you can really help us to think through. And so I met with them and I was excited to hear about the direction that they were going in. And then the executive director was excited to hear about the work that I was doing. And so they then said, we'd love for you to join as a board member. And that's how that happened. But it was really because I was just living my authentic self, doing what I do. She took notice and remembered that. And when she went on to this organization, she said, you know what? I know someone who could help us do what we want to do in this new sphere that we're working toward. So that's how that happened. See, I think that's awesome because quite often people come into, whether it be interviews or they go to meet someone um, to, you know, market themselves and they protrude or they try to exude what they think the other person wants to see. And um, in the end, sooner than not, you will show your true colors, who you really are, your authentic self. But don't change the spots. <laughs> and you will uh, find yourself um, disappointed or that person would be disappointed because you weren't giving your true self at the very beginning. So I really do think that you hit on something extremely important that especially um, people who come into roles and they're unhappy after a short amount of time, it's because 
you weren't being authentic when you first sat down, um, showing them who you truly were and you're trying to keep up maybe a facade of something that you think people want to see versus being able to be your true self and work hard on something that you actually enjoy. So I think that's Absolutely. awesome. Absolutely. Um, and you know, I just want to say yeah. on that note of being authentic and showing mm-hmm. people who you are, one piece of advice mm-hmm. that I gave to the gentleman who met with me I said to him, make sure you remember that when you go out on these interviews, you're also interviewing the the right. companies that you're sitting with. You need to make sure that they're a good fit for you too. So it's got to be a two-way street. And I feel like that's sometimes where people, um, I don't want to use the word fail, but sometimes they don't do well because they're thinking, oh my gosh, I have to be perfect. But you also have to look at, is this organization perfect for me too? That is 100% correct. Because when I uh, do interviews or I'm interviewing a candidate for my department, I look for somebody who's authentic, who's not um, basically lying on a resume saying, oh, I know this skill. So I'll ask them questions. It's not like one of those cookie cutter interviews that I do. I go based off feel. So it's basically how we do the podcast. And um, the last two hires, they were authentic and they have turned out to be phenomenal for the department and um one thing i could say about you sean you've always been authentic with who you are so for the listeners sean and um i went to high school together um and sean has an energy about him he can walk into a room and the room is going to pay attention to sean that's and he, he doesn't even have to say a word like, <laughs> like you you don't you don't <laughs> so that's one of the um the great things about Sean. Um, but with that being said, right, in terms of uh, advice that you gave somebody, uh, I would lead into this question. One of our uh, five core questions: Who was who was or is your mentor in either of the industries that you're in, in um, with your dance company or uh, working for CUNY? You know, people often have a when people say they have a mentor, it's that one person that they go to for whether it's personal, professional um, advice and guidance. I wouldn't say that I have a mentor. Uh, there are people who have been very supportive of my life and what I've been doing. And I feel like I, I'm always trying to absorb the people around me and look and see, well, what are they doing? How do they get there? And I ask a lot of questions. I'm always asking questions. And, you know, being of Caribbean descent, that's not something that was often encouraged. <laughs> you you know, you got to know your place. But I never Man, knew trust me, I know. <laughs> yes, I just, I was always inquisitive and I'm always asking, I'm always wondering, you know, well, how and why and where did you go and how did you do that? So, you know, in dance, someone who's been very important to me is the director of Something Positive, and that's Michael Manswell. And Michael actually came into my life when I was in high school, when we were in high school together. He uh, was connected to McGrevers College, and I think, as you recall, Corey, they were doing arts programming. Yes, yes, I remember. And so this was part of, like, after-school programming. And I was just sitting in the cafeteria one day, minding my own business, and, you know, Michael is in there with um, some students, and he's teaching them dance steps. And I I think you recall, at that time, I was very quiet. Ultra-quiet, man. Very, very quiet. Like, if you asked me a question at that time, Madonna, I would write down the answer. Oh. And he said to me, oh, get up and dance. 
And I very, you know, quietly said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not here for that. And he said, I don't care. Get up and dance. Yeah, he was very forward. Yes. And so I said, okay. And he did a movement. I did the movement. He moved one way. I moved the exact same way. And he stopped and he looked at me and he said, wait, have you had training before? And I said, no. And that was like the beginning of me being a part of something positive. And why I reference Michael is because it's all, it was also the beginning of me getting in touch with a part of our history and culture that I wasn't aware of. My family is from Trinidad. My father's from St. Thomas. Um, but I, so I knew of Caribbean traditions as far as, you know, jump and wine and carnival and all of that. <laughs> But I didn't know about the deeper traditions, like the Orisha traditions and the um, practices and traditions that were brought over from West Africa and how our ancestors contributed to so much that happens here in this country and all over the diaspora. And so that was just eye-opening for me, because with every dance we did, he always explained, well, this is why we do this and this is what it, where it came from. And so all of that was important for me and what I was doing in you know, in college and beyond, because I was just like, you know what, I need to be a part of educating my community. I need to be a part of ensuring we understand where we came from and where we're going and, you know, how we get there. And so Michael has been tremendous in that regard. As far as education goes, I've worked with so many incredible people. Um, At CUNY, someone who I deeply admire is Donna Linderman. She's the Associate Vice Chancellor for academic affairs. And Donna is someone who, you know, grew up very poor and has made a tremendous life for herself. And what I love about Donna is that she's a hard worker. And I have a great respect for anybody who I see rolling up their sleeves and doing whatever needs to be done to get things done. That just, it's its the world for me. So Michael has been fantastic. Donna has been fantastic. But there have been so many others over the years that, you know, I just can't begin to thank them for the work that they've done and guiding me and being, you know, foundations in my life. No, that's that's amazing. Um, one thing you said, and I, it, it, it's my fault, but I always thought you were Jamaican. Never. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that with love because my brother-in-law is Jamaican. <laughs> no, I I don't know why I thought you were Jamaican. I I I have no clue why all these years I thought you were Jamaican. And it should have dawned on me cuz anytime um I see your brother, I see him with like a Trini flag on his head. So, Corey uh duh. <laughs> oh man, that's wow. He said never. Yes, but I love my Jamaican people too. Yes, 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 yes. But Trinis are the best. Uh-oh. They are though. Hopefully my dad doesn't hear this because he's from Barbados. <laughs> but um, with all the the people that were in your life that helped you mold you and shape you to the wonderful person and dope person you are now, my uh, second core question for you would be, what is your definition of ambition? Ambition is doing what makes you happy. And it means working toward what makes you happy and working toward what will make you happy it means being more than you are right now. My entire upbringing was all about, okay, this is great. You know, I'd come home with a good grade. I'd come home, let's say, with a 90. And my mother would say, oh, that's good, but why couldn't you get a 95? (laughs) Caribbean parents, man. Caribbean (laughs) parents. Yes. 
And you know, at the time, it would get under my skin, but I realized as I grew up, and you know, even as I continue in my adult and professional life, that I am always striving for, okay, well, how can I do better? How can I do better? You know, at work, anytime anything is going on or, you know, something new is coming up, they're like, well, all right, let's give it to Sean to read. Because I'm always catching things. I'm always wanting everything to be just right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I remember working with this woman many years ago. Her name was Barbara Horowitz at an arts and education organization called um, Community Works NYC. And Barbara would always say, Sean, the devil is in the details. And so I'd always, you know, just strive to make everything as good as it could possibly be. So I, I like to think I'm ambitious. I like to think I'm always working toward making myself better. Man, stop that! Stop, I, stop that humbleness! Like all, all the stuff that you got going on, you you are ambitious, Sean. Well, I hope so. But it's really about giving back and making yeah. you know the community better than the way we found it. If it's if we haven't done that, then why 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 are we here? Correct, correct, definitely correct, man. And, and I, I want to just point out because some people think about ambition and think that it's all about money. And yes, I earn a good living. That's great. But I feel like I'd be unhappy if that living wasn't tied to, you know, making the world better, wasn't tied to ensuring that thousands more people are educated. And that then ensures that our society and our economy is better. It means that, you know, being on the board of an organization that's committed to ending the HIV AIDS crisis. I am excited to do that. I'm excited to do work that when I go on stage, I'm not just dancing, but I am telling a story about our culture and helping to preserve that culture. So it's all got to be tied to something. So ambition, money is good, but it's really got to be tied to how does this make me feel? How does this make others feel? I really think that is so important because so often people want to do things and they might volunteer one time or they'll start something and then they'll it'll stop but I think that it's important if you find something that you are passionate about you want to see this change um, in your community reflected in the children and the people that are around you you want to see directly the fruits of your labor I feel like it's extremely important that you do the research. You know, if there's something that really stirs you up when you see it, whether it be on the news or just even in your community, when you're walking to the train, you see, you know, um, young men just on the corner or whatever it is, start start a program. You know what I mean? Or look into programs that are already um, in action and working with young men. And, you know, when you get involved and or women, I'm just saying a specific, you know, example um, mentioned, you know, I think that maybe we should hit this community because I really feel as though there's so much untapped potential, you know, whatever it might be that really speaks to you. I feel like when you find that, then you can really dig in and like do the work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So no, uh, one, one purpose of the podcast is for younger individuals. We were speaking about it early before we started recording is for younger individuals to, um, basically have a virtual mentor or, even just listen and and get gems from people who have been in places they are going to or trying to get to. So with uh, with that being said, uh, third core question would be, 
what advice would you give someone trying to get a foot in the door of either industry, dance or uh, in education? My advice is don't be afraid to start. I don't want to say at the bottom, um, but don't think that you need to start out as the president of the organization. And I say that because I meet a lot of young people who, and it's always so great because they're so ambitious. And we've been talking about ambition, but you got to learn. You really have to learn first. And I feel like some people walk in the door and they're like, well, I need to be the director. And I'm like, but you don't even know how to type. (laughs) (laughs) Or you don't know how to put together a budget or you've never planned an event or whatever it is. And it doesn't mean that you cannot do it. It just means it's important to learn first. I believe that it's important to pay your dues. Um, Correct. Is something that I think a lot of people might push back against. Um, folks who might be of a younger generation or within our generation, but still a bit younger. It's important to pay your dues. You know, something when I joined CUNY, I joined as a coordinator. And then I was promoted to an assistant director and then to an associate director and then to a director. And I remember... Um, my team leader at the time saying, it's important for you to crawl before you can walk and walk before you can run. And, you know, anybody else might have been a little offended by that, but I really took that to heart and said, no, this is important. I need to learn as much as I can so that I can be a more successful leader going forward. And so anybody who wants to get into education, one, don't be afraid to reach out to people and ask questions. I think informational interviews are as important as actual interviews. Sometimes you get hired based on an informational interview. And that is, when I say informational, call someone and say, oh, I know that you've been working in this area for a long time. This is a field that I'm interested in. How do I get started? Would you mind meeting with me? It's okay to ask someone, you know, just out for coffee and say, I'd love to pick your brain. That's one. Two, I think don't be afraid to read as much as you can. Books are important. Even, you know, go online, whatever it is, but just read, read, read. You don't need to be an overnight expert, but it's important to go in and be confident in what you're discussing and what you are working on, whatever it is. And so I just encourage people just to learn first and ask as much as they can. I just want to chime in real quick. <laughs> um, I just yesterday, so I'm a program manager at uh, Wonderman Thompson, which is an uh, advertising agency. Um, and I am looking forward to in 2020 doing speaking engagements. So speaking at whether it be project management, um, you know, conferences, breakfasts, or, you know, com- uh, doing a guest lecture any of those things, right? Mm-hmm. And there's someone in my network who is established in this. And I reached out to her and had a 20-minute call. Mm. And in that, I mean, I'm talking about yesterday. Yesterday. That conversation <laughs> happened just yesterday. And I gained so much from that conversation. So um, I say that to say, if you, the listeners, are in a position to help someone, um, 
by just telling them a little bit about your experience. Not only did she give me, her name is Crystal Richards, by the, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, she's from Mosaic Resource. Um, <laughs> I just I want to give her a shout out. But uh, she took the time to not only describe how she got started, um, the different things that she looked up, uh, as well as um, some of the pitfalls that she had to avoid. Um, she gave me links to look through. She was amazing. And I just, I want people to know that it doesn't matter if you're further along in your career, these conversations continue to happen and they continue to make you better. And I just, I think it's so important that we take the opportunity to help others um, as well as um, take that step, ask the question, just just find out whether or not they have a few minutes to talk and um, be open. Like she she dropped numbers. She was like, if people are saying that, you know, um, they want to pay you something smaller, but it will get you in the door to a conference that you don't have to pay seven hundred dollars to get into. Mm-hmm. You have to you you have to balance. Are you going to now take the opportunity to network with people you wouldn't have otherwise had access to? Um, and then that may lead you to the three thousand to ten thousand dollar um, speaking engagement, I said 3000 to 10000 mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, these are the type of conversations I don't think that people are having candidly. And I just feel as though it behooves us to, to jump out there. Like, folks, please listen to Sean's advice <laughs> and ask for an informational interview. Just You just want to chat over coffee or just a quick conversation on the phone. It was a 25-minute conversation, and I got nuggets of gold from her and I just want to just call out it's it happens on a day-to-day basis with people so I just wanted to call out that just happened to me yesterday and I'm so happy about it so I I, and you know I want to tell people also this advice yeah it's great for someone who is younger and coming up but I also say it for people who are established but maybe thinking about changing fields mm-hmm. or want to figure out, well, how do I go further in my field? Whatever it is, don't be afraid to have a conversation and just ask somebody. People That's are right. more willing to help than we know. Exactly. And, and it, I mean, it cost her nothing. I say that quite often. I have a blog um, online and I just said, you know, the best time to network is when you don't need anything. I mean, get out there, talk to people, have a conversation, get to know them, show them your authentic self, and they will think of you the way, you know, different people thought of Sean and brought him in to uh, give a fresh new perspective on the board. You know, I just feel like those are the kinds of things that people think, oh, well, I'm not looking for a job, so I don't need to go to this event. No, go to the event right now (laughs) and just meet people and talk with them, tell them about what you do, listen to them actively listen, find out what they're doing, what they're, you know, interested in and connect. Just just make the LinkedIn post, just connect and just say, it was fantastic speaking with this person and put that on LinkedIn. You know, those are the kind of opportunities I feel like people miss Mm -hmm. because they feel like they don't need it. And I'm like, no, it's not about needing it. It's about meeting people and leaving an impression. That's just I just thought it was an awesome point that you made and wanted to chime in. <laughs> so um, that was a great Q&A between yourself and Donna. But you also mentioned books, read, read, read. So the fourth core question would be, what is one of the books you read that has changed your life or perspective on how you just approach things? Dave Ramsey, Total Money Makeover. Hey. 
<laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> Total money makeover. I came across this book, or this book was introduced to me rather, um, maybe three or four years ago at this point. And I was having brunch with my friend Tahani. And at the end of the brunch, she opens her purse and she pulls out an envelope to pay while I put my card down. And I'm, you know, then she takes out another envelope and I'm like, Tahani, what are you doing walking around with envelopes of money? How old are you? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I thought about my grandmother walking around with little envelopes of cash. And she said, well, Dave said you're supposed to do. And she then explained it to me. And I was like, Dave, who is this Dave? And she says, Dave Ramsey. And, you know, why she, what piqued my interest was, you know, she was talking about debt and building wealth. And, you know, we, many of us are saddled with student loans. And Oh, man. Yes. I'm not even going to get into it. But (laughs) she said to me, oh, and this was, I think, a July or something. She said, you know, Sean, I started reading this book in April. And between April and now, she paid down X number of dollars in her student loan debt. And then later that year, paid down even more of her student loan debt. And I was just like, oh, my God, how did you do this? And she said, Sean, Dave Ramsey, get the book. Order that book right now, Donna. Yes. And why this book was so important to me is because I think I, at that time, was like so many millennials. And I am on the, you know, further end. Oh, yeah, of we're on the cusp. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like many people, working steady, earning a solid income, but I had nothing to show for it. Like I would say to myself every month, I'm like, you know, I know I had money. Where did it go? What What is happening with this? Why don't I have money? Like I'm getting a paycheck, but where is it going? And so the book was all about, well, one, start an emergency fund. Start with something as simple as $1,000. And it was like, you know, you can't do that overnight, but it's like build up to getting $1,000 saved. Then from there, work on paying down your debt. You start with the smallest debt, then you do the snowball effect and then pay down all the other debts and you just keep adding and adding and adding. And then it's from there, you start with your wealth building and start, you know, contributing more to your 401k, contributing to your savings, doing those sorts of things. And that book, it completely changed my life because I went from saying, why don't I have any money? I went from living paycheck to paycheck to suddenly saying, oh, wow, I have a significant amount of money saved. Oh, wow, I think I'd like to purchase a home soon. Oh, wow, I no longer am waking up in the middle of the night with anxiety because I don't know how I'm going to cover my bills because now I, you know, have read this book and I am on the path to one ensuring that all of my bills are taken care of, ensuring that money goes into savings, ensuring that I am living on a budget and not overextending myself like a lot of people tend to do. My mother always say, always said to me, you know, Sean, lots of people can be millionaires on credit. And so that's not mm. what I ever want to do. Wow. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hold on one second, Sean. Yes. Pull that back up and rewind. Yes, lots of people can be millionaires on credit. And that is not something I ever wanted to be. And so that book just changed my life 
And it put me on a path to one, thinking about our community, thinking about the black community and thinking about, okay, well, how do I better support my community? And so everywhere I go, I'm talking to people, especially young people, and I'm asking them, are you saving? Are you paying off debt? Are you not accruing debt first? Like just having real honest conversations. And, you know, some time ago, this was a few years ago, I remember speaking with um, a friend from the Caribbean. And I said, you know, what kind of what kind of bank accounts do you have? What what kind of savings do you do? And he was so offended that I asked him that. And he was like, you know, I just would never think to ask someone something so personal. And it hit me that I'm like, all right, this is a problem in our community where in other communities, there are conversations about finances and wealth. And again, it comes back to us asking questions and having conversations. And I said, you know what? Anytime anybody asks me a question, particularly about finance, I am going to share everything that I've learned with them. And I'm still learning, but I encourage people to read Dave Ramsey, Total Money Makeover. It changed my life. And I think it'll change the lives of anybody else who reads it. We are definitely going to put that um, in the hashtag and uh, with other information that you you have given us, um, inter- in, including your dance troupe, uh, something positive, which is awesome. There's this one picture that Sean is um, dancing. He has a red outfit on, mm-hmm. and he's jumping up in the air with a mask. And Sean has locks, right? Yeah. So his locks are are shout very out. long. <laughs> Donna says, shout out, shout out to the locks, yeah. Yeah. Because Donna has locks. So Sean has very long locks. And it is one of the most phenomenal pictures I have ever seen. So I think I'm going to screenshot that picture and use that as the 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 intro of of um of the podcast because like I should mention and when you screenshot and edit that was at Lincoln Center and that was in the New York Times. So thank hey. you, Lincoln Center and the New York Times. Yes, yes most definitely. Like. <laughs> Because when you posted it, I was like, oh, my God. And I just kept going back to it. And I kept going back to it. Because <laughs> it's it's a phenomenal photo, Sean. Like, anybody who isn't into dance and they see that photo, they're going to be like, okay, when is something positive doing another dance? Because I need to see it. I need to see it. But um, one thing I did for... One thing I did forget to tell you about the podcast is that we normally name our podcast after pop culture references mm-hmm. or famous famous people, but preferably people of our skin hue, yeah. right? So in my mind, I'm thinking um, of either naming this podcast Tina Turner, yes, Private Dancer, or um, I had it I had it pulled up, or. Um, Oh man, I just had it pulled up, but I forgot where it is. But um, because Sean is a huge, huge Tina Turner fan, and I know why he's a Tina Turner fan because Tina Turner is an incredible, incredible individual. Yes, and she doesn't even look her age. Oh, so the one out the uh, the other title I was thinking about was back where we started, Um, Mm -hmm. but. I might just I may just label it Tina Turner in honor of you loving Tina Turner the way you do. And Sean actually started a Tina Turner fan club yes. um, on Facebook and she actually acknowledged acknowledged it. 
Yes. So you know what? That group has, I think, one hundred thirty-seven thousand followers. Oh boy. Um, when we started it initially, and this was like ten years ago, it was written about in essence, and it's been a page where I'm just happy to one. I love Tina, as you know, but it yes, really yeah. is a celebration of our culture, like. This is the most successful female rock artist of all time who happens to be a black woman who grew up picking cotton in the fields of Tennessee. That is crazy. And so when I think about someone who has just impacted pop culture, who has impacted so much, Tina Turner is just at the top. She is. She is. Like, I, I, I like Tina Turner. Not as much as you. Yes. But she is phenomenal. And leading into our last question before we wrap up, mm-hmm. being that Tina Turner is so phenomenal, yes. I would want to know if you had a superpower, what would it be? Or if you were super if you were a superhero, who would you be? If I had a superpower, it would be to read minds. <laughs> <laughs> it would absolutely be to read minds. I'm always so curious about what people are thinking. Um, even people who are you know, very blunt and open and honest, I still wonder what they're thinking before they say things, after they say things, while they're saying it. I'm wondering what is going through their minds. And that that's just how I am. I think it's the Aries in me. I'm always wondering. <laughs> and so, yeah, to read minds. What is most impressive about that question or that, uh, that answer was you are the first guest that just blurted out what their superpower or superhero would be. Everybody would be like, um, man, what? So uh, reading minds is very interesting. I don't think I would want that. I don't think I would want that because, uh, yeah, I would want to be able to turn it on and off. I wouldn't want it on all the time. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Like, oh, you you know these lotto numbers? Okay, let me read your mind. (laughs) (laughs) But um, this episode has been one of our favorite episodes, and I'm going to title this episode in honor of Sean, um, Tina Turner. And Sean, let us know uh, where people can contact or just um, look up some of the stuff you talked about. So you talked about something positive. You talked about CUNY. You talked about... um, the project safety net project safety net yes thank you for that um so just let us know where you can or let the guests know where you can um where they can research this, these things sure. at. and we'll also we'll also attach um all the information in the bio after the podcast is uh ready and up absolutely for anyone one interested in higher education pursuing higher education i encourage them to look up the city university of new york first. One, there are 25 colleges and institutions. Most of our students leave debt-free. I think it's the numbers like five and seven students leave debt-free from CUNY with a degree. And uh, so look up CUNY, CUNY cuny.edu, for students who are interested in the supports offered through programs like ASAP, which I work with, um, which is you know, tuition assistance, textbook assistance, transportation assistance, cuny.edu forward slash ASAP. Students who enter ASAP are paired with an advisor who's with them from entry to graduation. To learn more about Something Positive, visit somethingpositiveinc.org. 
you know, look us up, come see us perform. We have been around as a company since 1981, founded by Cheryl Byron. And we are doing work in the community. We have performed throughout New York City and as well as, you know, throughout the country and various other countries. And so look up somethingpositiveinc.org. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at somethingpositiveinc. Uh, for Project Safety Net, please Google Project Safety Net. It's based in Long Island, and I believe the town is called Hapog. I, I hope I'm saying that right. I yeah, Hapog. Hapog. Yes, Hapog, um, Long Island. And so the organization has been around since 1986, first as the Long Island Association for AIDS Care. They started when they saw, you know, what was happening at that time with the AIDS crisis, and they have been working to transform communities ever since. And so they have been based in Long Island, but they are branching further into the city, and they're just a fantastic organization. So it's Project Safety Net, formerly Long Island Association for AIDS Care. Thank you for that information, Sean. Um, Donna and I thoroughly enjoyed this uh, conversation, and for you just joining the podcast. So once again, the podcast is to highlight my dope friends, um and just let them know trust their dopeness and just remain positive and just and to highlight that we can do more than people think that we can um sean once again thank you for joining the podcast thank you greatly greatly appreciate you and uh podcast should drop in the new year so i'm gonna i'm gonna save this this one for the new year Sounds good. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Oh, Don already said first first one of the new year. (laughs) (laughs) So skip, uh, yeah. So skip skip everything else that we recorded previously and just jump to this one. (laughs) But Sean, thank you once again. We appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you.